We started a message last week, a little bit, little bit of feedback. Started a message last week that starts our year off. Uh, next Sunday, Pastor Oswaldo is going to be preaching. I'm excited to hear him speak. And uh, then we'll also have our church business meeting next Sunday afternoon. Uh, if you want information, you saw that on the announcements. And then I'm going to be picking up a series uh, on the 23rd. Uh, we're going to be going through the teachings of Jesus Christ. Uh, the, the theme for this year is roots. Roots. It's about getting back to our roots as, not just as Christians, but as a church. And in this message today that I started last week, I'm going to be explaining why I believe that is the need for not just our church, but I believe the church in general. I believe we're in a, the midst of uh, just incredible events and incredible change within the church. Uh, and it's, it is not just diluting, but it's taking under much of the witness of Jesus Christ. And if we don't remember where we came from, if we don't remember what we believe and we don't remember that the word of God never changes, then we're going to be in danger of being swept away with the wave of, of, uh, of change that's going on. And uh, as I said last week, change is not a bad thing if it's positive change, but change for the sake of change, change just to be uh, cool, change just to be part of uh, connected with society is not vital, not valuable change at all. So last week we started this message and it's called Resolved We Believe. And we're not, obviously not going to go through our entire statement of faith. But as I prayed about this, as I talked to the Lord about uh, this series and just this message and just kind of allowed him to speak to my heart, there were a few things that I believe that are that need to be addressed. Can we just say that? Just have an honest conversation about things that are going on in society and things that are going on between society and the church that just need to be addressed because it's a dangerous place to be. And if, as I said, if we're not careful, we can find ourselves on the wrong end of a tsunami that is wiping away what truly matters in the church. If you stand with me as we read our text for this sermon. It's Isaiah chapter 43, verses 18 and 19. It says, do not remember the past events. Pay no attention to things of old. Look, I am about to do something new. Even now it is coming. Do you not see it? Indeed, I will make a way in the wilderness, rivers in the desert. You may be seated. Now, what I believe what God is trying to tell us there is don't, don't look to the good old days. Don't keep living, reliving the past over and over and over again, whether that's good or bad. Listen, some, there are, some of us have had great victories in our past, right? We've had great times in our past. We've had times where uh, things were just amazing. I remember being a youth pastor in Kansas. I had a youth ministry that was just on fire, and we saw over 800 people come to Christ in one year back in 1984 or 85. And what, I mean, it's a great year, but if I'm going to pin my future on that one year, then I'm going to miss the point of the fact that God is trying to do something new. And what we did back then in those days, I mean, back then we were out walking the streets, handing out tracks, knocking on doors, things that you just couldn't do today, especially in our area. 
So if I'm going to rely on the past for my victory for the future, then I'm missing the point of the fact that God wants to do something new in my life and my family and in my church. And that means we've got to pay attention to him, to his word, and to what's going on and make sure that what we do lines up with scripture, lines up with the word of God. I said it last week and I'll say it again this week because I think it's so important and so impactful. There are some people, some pastors and some Christians who will tell you flat out, I don't care what the word of God says. I don't care what the Bible says. This is what I believe. There's a movement now. There are actually books being written by pastors who were evangelical leaders in the church for years that are, they're writing books now about the, the fallacy. And it's not just one, it's several pastors writing books about the fallacy of hell that we've gotten it wrong all these years, that there is no literal hell, that hell is here on earth. Well, folks, that's just not something you can prove according to the word of God. In fact, the Bible is very clear about the fact that there is an eternal hell. And that place is a place where people who do not accept Jesus Christ as their savior spend eternity. So what we're going to be doing this year is looking, uh, looking to get back to our roots, back to the basics of our faith, we're going to be digging into the teachings of Jesus Christ. Uh, after Pastor Oswaldo preaches next week, I'm going to start a series on uh, the Sermon on the Mount. There's so much in there in the book of Matthew that taught the uh, basic foundational teaching that Jesus gives us, the, the Beatitudes, several different um, uh, uh, parables, salt and light. Uh, the, the two foundations. I mean, there's so much there to dig into. We're going to spend some time looking at what Jesus said to us. Listen, if, I know the whole Bible is inspired. The whole Bible is important. Man, but those words in red, that's a conversation with our Savior. Those are words from Him. And I want to dig into those and, and see and remind myself and remind our church and remind anybody else that will listen that this is who we're supposed to be. We're not supposed to be um, fashionistas. We're not supposed to be connected to the culture. We're not supposed to be driving culture. We're not supposed to bring the culture into the church. In fact, the church of Jesus Christ, the church he founded is supposed to be counterculture. We're supposed to be counterculture. We are supposed to be standing in the gap, making up a hedge against the world, taking over the lives of our people. But that... That's been, that's been a very difficult thing to do, and it's, it's been watered down by many churches in our day and age. Now, this is not going to be an opinion piece. It's going to be straightforward Bible teaching, and quite honestly, we'll let the chips fall where they may. I know a lot of pastors are afraid of offending people. They're afraid of seeing people leave their church and leave, lose their, their money. It always comes down to money or numbers. <clears throat> uh, quite honestly, if, that, if, if as a pastor, you're worried about offending people when you preach the word of God, then you're kind of missing the point of preaching. <laughs> you're kind of missing the point of being a pastor. Uh, because Jesus himself said, I will be a rock of offense. He said, I will divide fathers and mothers, fathers and sons, mothers and daughters. I'll divide families. Not because he's mean, but because some will believe and some won't. 
The goal is to clear the air and see Jesus for who he truly is, see the local church for what it truly is, and see our calling and ministry for what they truly are. So I think it's vital that we lay down some truth about what it is that we believe. And let me make this statement as well. This message is not meant to be harsh. It's not meant to send a message. It's not even meant to make a statement. I'm not trying to draw a line in the sand. I'm not trying to get in somebody's face and say, you're wrong. This is not a, an argumentative sermon. And this is not a combative sermon. This message is meant to plant a flag and to make a stand. To say that this is who we are. This is what we believe. This is where we stand. And we mean to take back our birthright as blood-bought children of God. That's what this means. That's what this message is about. This is about recentering and refocusing. And this is about getting back to our roots. Last week we started and I gave you point number one of what we believe. And I said, we believe in a powerful word of God, not an inoffensive book of suggestions. And we went through some scripture and talked about that. And then I gave you five different points that I'll just remind you of. Uh, it does you no good to water down the truth of the Bible to make others comfortable. And that's what's going on today. When we put special, when we put special things on our sign just to make other people feel comfortable, it, saying that they're comfortable in our church, well, folks, we're wrong. Okay? We're just wrong. When we water down the scripture and we, we, when we will not preach truth and we, we will, when we will not stand against sin in culture, and in the church, we're wrong. Listen, I know we all, I know we all struggle. I know we all have obstacles to overcome. I have obstacles in my life that I'm battling with right now. Things that I'm trying to overcome, things that I'm fighting. Uh, the Bible calls them besetting sins in the King James Version. Things that we just battle with because we're broken, because we're weak human beings, because of the fall we have inadequacies in ourselves that open us up to temptation and open us up to sin. And the struggle is to overcome those through the power of God. We're never going to be perfect, but we sure can try to be. Seriously, we never will be perfect, but we sure can work hard at it. We sure can do our dead level best to not give in to the sin that so easily takes us down. You do that by building up your spiritual muscles. You build that by reading the word. You, do, you build that by doing what has gone out of fashion in church and Christianity today, and that's applying the scripture to your life. It's not just a book to read to say at the end of the year, I read through this book in a year. It's not just there for you to, to have something to sit on your shelf or something to say, you know, this is, this is the guidepost of my life. If it's the, if it's the guidepost of your life, then it needs to be applied to your life. It needs to be applied. Yes, I'll say, I'll say this. Following Jesus Christ is a life of sacrifice. But I enjoy these things. I love these things. I don't think there's anything wrong. Okay, first of all, it's not about what you think. Okay? It's not about what you think. It's, what, it's about what the Word of God says. If you cannot reconcile your actions with the word of God, 
guess what the Bible says that is? It's sin. And it needs to be taken out of your life. But, but, but I know, I know. And everybody will give you an excuse. And there are two, listen, quite frankly, if this isn't the way you want to follow, if this isn't the way you want to live, if this isn't the kind of Christianity you want to be preached, have preached to you and taught to you, then the new life, I'm going to say it, man, New Life Church is probably not the place for you. Because this is where we're going to stand. I'm not in the business of tickling people's ears. I'm not in the business of getting people in here just so we can make money. I'm not in the business of just getting people in here so that we can have big numbers and brag to others. I'm in the business of, first of all, living a life that matters to God, raising a family the best I can that draws close to God, and leading a church that knows what it means to be sacrificial Christians who live the word of God. Also said the fact of sin is uncomfortable. What I did, the rant I just went on, <laughs> that makes people uncomfortable. And I'm sure there are people watching, probably people sitting here this morning, that are saying, yo, Pastor John, you just crossed a line. Okay. That's, that's, that, is, that is fine. That is absolutely fine if that's how you feel. But let's talk about it. Let's sit down and talk about it. Why is that, why is that offensive to you? Why does it offend you that I stand on the Bible and say, you need to examine your life and see what you're doing in your life and ask yourself, am I honoring Jesus Christ with this? The fact of the penalty of sin is uncomfortable for people. It's no fun to tell people point blank, listen, if you die without Jesus Christ, you're going to spend eternity in hell. That's no fun but it's exactly what needs to be done. Why is it any fun? Because it gets people angry with you and everybody wants to be liked. But listen, Jesus himself said, they will hate you because they hate me. And I don't mean we need to go around offending people to the point where they hate us, but we need to get over this fact that everybody needs to like us. And we need to put on a show on Sunday mornings so that everybody will feel comfortable and feel happy and walk out. Listen, I know when, I, when I've gone to, going to church before in my life, uh, before I became a pastor, there are many, many, many times that I walked out of church feeling worse about myself than when I walked in. And that's not because I wasn't fed. That's because the pastor preached a message that hit home. And there were things in my life that I needed to deal with. Now, as the pastor, <laughs> there are times, listen, I sit back there and I say, I hear songs uh, like we sang this morning. And I, I, I love, I miss Zach being up there on the platform leading worship because he opens up his heart and he talks to us about it. I love that. Uh, and that last song, The Goodness of God, did a phenomenal job on it, folks. It was just awesome. And I can look back over my life and I can see where God has been so good to me when I didn't deserve it. He's been so good to me when I, when I did, I, I, I had no business having anybody being good to me at all. Yet God blessed me and God watched over me and God has carried me and led me and directed me the whole way. I put something on Facebook during worship uh, for those of you who are watching 
say hello and just to remind you that our God is a good God, our God is a strong God, and what we're going through right now, not just as a church but as society, is just a moment in time. We're taking precautions. We don't want anybody to get any sicker than they need to be. We don't want people that aren't sick to get sick. They don't need to be sick. But make no mistake, there's a way through this time. And it's not the way that says drop out of church. It's the way that says, listen, now more than ever, we need to cling to our faith. Now more than ever, we need to dig into what it is that we believe. Now more than ever, we need to stand on the word of God. Because the Bible tells us, that this is just what's happening. This is just what's to come. I believe with all my heart, we're living in the last days. And as Christians, the Bible says in that time, there'll come a great falling away. I guess the question could be put to you, Christian, do you want to be a part of the great falling away? Or, you, or do you want to be part of the great harvest of souls that can happen right now? Because that's your choice as a follower of Jesus. You can either walk away and follow the world and get all wrapped up in everything that's going on, or you can cling to Jesus Christ and look to your Savior and let him lead you through. Then we said uh, the fact of personal sacrifice, uh, being service is uncomfortable. And lastly, we aren't called to be comfortable, we're called to be challenged. And that's what I want to see this year. I want to see us challenged in our faith challenged as followers of Jesus, challenged as members of New Life, challenged as Christians to do something more for Jesus Christ. Point number two in this message, and we'll pick it up now. We believe in a functional gospel, not a social gospel. We believe in a functional gospel, not a social gospel. The Bible wasn't, now listen to this, really please pay attention, because this is a, this is a, this, is, this is my statement on the matter, okay? The Bible wasn't given to us to fix society. God didn't give the Bible to us to fix society. He says that human society is going to fail. Human society, human government, the human way of doing things is going to fail. The Bible wasn't given to us to fix society. It was given to us to fix the sin problem, to fix us. The Bible was given to us not to fix society. The Bible was given to us to fix or to solve the sin problem. The Bible was given to us to fix us because we're broken. Man, that's, isn't that what we all want to say now? That's, that's one of the, the modern things, the, the modern catchphrases of the, of the church. We're all broken people. Our songwriters are writing songs about being broken people. Well, check it out, man. If you're a broken person, shouldn't you be looking to, be, to find a way to be fixed? If you're broken, shouldn't you be looking for a, to, to find a way to become whole again? The Bible is what fixes us as people. Reading it, studying it, understanding it, taking it in and allowing it to heal the hurt, to fill in the cracks, to bring together the pieces that have been shattered. There are times in my life where... I feel like a little kid. How many of you parents, for those of you watching, you can raise your hands if you want online. How many of you as a parent have had a child come to you and they've broken a toy and they say, mommy, daddy, can you fix this? Right now with, with uh, my sons, it's like they hit on their, uh, their Nintendo Switch. <laughs> Every once in a while, they'll get signed off and they need to sign back on and and I'll have to put the password in for them. They come to me, Dad, can you, can you 
put the password in for me? Like, yeah. yeah. They know where to go to get things fixed. And it breaks my heart sometimes when I see my children in brokenness and I know I could help, but they never ask. And I think that's how God feels with us many, many times. He sees us in our brokenness. He knows we're broken. He knows we need help. For crying out loud, he sent his son to die on the cross to pay the price for our sins. Yet we won't turn to him to have our brokenness fixed. We walk away. We look for other, other areas. We look to people or we look to, to teachers and preachers who will, who, who will tickle our ears and make us feel good about ourselves. And we look for other, we look in other directions and maybe we even look to other, other faiths so that we can find something that will make us feel better about ourselves. The Bible was given to fix us. One thing about a functional gospel is this, a functional gospel never changes. A functional gospel never changes. Romans 1.16, Paul made this amazingly declarative, powerful statement in Romans 1.16. He says, for I am not ashamed of the gospel because it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, first to the Jew and also to the Greek. Can I, can I just make this statement? For those who are looking for answers beyond the word and those who are changing what the Bible truly teaches, they are not agreeing with Paul. They are ashamed of the gospel. When the Bible stands up and says this is sin and we as Christians turn a passive eye and look the other way and okay the lifestyle and okay the choices and say that's all right, and when we go completely against truth and doctrine that's taught in the word, just to make people feel okay, and just so that we don't have those arguments, then what we're doing is saying, I am ashamed of the gospel. When we say there is no hell, when we say there is no penalty for sin, when we say that God loves everybody, but God does not affirm every life choice, we're standing for the word of God. But when we say God brings everybody in and it's just one big tent and there's many different ways to heaven, which many evangelicals are saying right now, we're saying I am ashamed of the gospel. I'm ashamed of the narrow way that Jesus preached. I'm ashamed of the straight path that he said to walk. We believe in a functional gospel, not a social gospel. And once again, let me just say this. I said it last week. This is my statement as the pastor, and this is the way I lead this church. You may not, as a member of this church or an attender of this church, you may not like what I have to say, and you may not agree with me. That's your call. This is what, as the pastor, I believe and teach here at New Life. Now, contrary to a functional gospel, a social gospel has to change. And a social gospel has to change almost constantly. Why? Because society changes. Society changes over and over and over and over again. Society just completely turns itself around 100%. Matt Chandler said, the reconciling gospel is always at the forefront of the church's actions because a full belly is not better than a reconciled soul. 
You see, we're so, we're, we're so wrapped up in getting involved in, in societal issues and, and fixing society. Listen, I know civil rights is, the civil rights issue has gone now beyond uh, black and white, and everybody is picking up and saying that they have civil rights because of the lifestyle they choose. Listen, I, I believe in equity. I believe in freedom for all. I believe America. I, I, I am that Christian that divides the Constitution from the Bible because the Constitution is not the inspired word of God. The Bible is. And America is not a flawless nation. America has many, many flaws. If you don't think America has flaws, just ask people who are being caught up in the flaws of America. I believe in the word of God. And I believe that we as Christians and as a church need to stand on the word of God. Do I believe that we need to be involved in our culture, in society? Yes, but for a purpose. I believe that we need to get involved and try to help meet needs so that it opens the door for us to share the gospel of Jesus Christ. Much like our, our missions program, we have a missionary, we have a missionary that works with manna, and MANA opens feeding centers and education centers with the, the, the whole idea of not just meeting their physical needs, but then reaching them with the gospel of Jesus Christ. And then our ministry down in South America that, takes, uh, that, that works with uh, foster children and foster parents. Not only do they find homes for homeless children, they also bring the gospel to them so that Yes, having a family is important, but having Jesus as your Savior is much, much, much more important. So there is a way, and it's very biblical, to work within society to make a biblical, scriptural, God-felt, God-motivated change in society. We just have to find it. We just have to work towards it. We be, we've become, the church has made the mistake. And, and now let me, let me expand beyond, because when we talk about the church, I, my definition of the church is not anybody that goes to church. Okay? The church is people who have accepted Jesus Christ as their Savior. That's the church. Those who know Jesus Christ in a personal way. There are churches out there, they call themselves churches, and they're simply places to meet. They're not, they're, they, they don't abide by the word of God. They don't teach salvation by grace through faith. They are not the true definition of a church. There I go, more people clicking out, right? That's just the truth, folks. But let me expand to everyone who calls themselves a church. It's an embarrassment to the word of God. An embarrassment to the word of God. For a pastor a priest, an elder, whatever they call themselves, to allow society to dictate what you preach and teach and stand on when you preach on Sunday. It's an embarrassment to the word of God and it's sin. When you allow culture, when you allow what people feel and what people want and the choices they've made, listen, I know people have made choices in their lives because they've been hurt by church. They've been told you're not welcome here. God doesn't love you. I get that. I understand that. And I understand churches have made mistakes, but that's not God's fault. That doesn't change the word of God. What's happening is we, is the church 
the, 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 the big umbrella of church organizations, let me say that, have gone so far in accepting sin and okaying sin. And now we have, I'll, I'll name one, okay? I'm not, in the, I'm not usually in the business of naming people, but this, this woman has been a big, um, a, a big teacher for women in the evangelical church for decades. And now she's apostate. She's an apostate. Her name is Beth Moore. And she has turned away from the word of God and she is now preaching sin is okay. She has walked away from the evangelical church and has stepped into a church that doesn't stand on the word of God, that has sinners, open sinners, as priests and pastors. You see, she's a wolf in sheep's clothing that is leading Christians astray. And there are many men and other women who have done the same thing. And we need to be careful of them. When we allow society to change where we stand, and when we allow society to change what we preach, we will continue to see people fall away from the truth. Oh, hey man, we may see people come into church for a show, but we're not going to see people accept Jesus as their Savior. We're not going to see them follow Him in believer's baptism. We're not going to see them get involved in discipleship and grow in their faith and become productive, fruit-bearing Christians. We're just going to see people being deluded and being fooled into thinking that their sin is okay. Free, liberated people of equality will still go to head freely and equally. Will still go to hell freely and equally without Jesus. Let me say that again. Free, liberated people of equality will still go to hell freely and equally without Jesus. Hebrews 13, 8 tells us very simply, very simply, Jesus Christ, the same yesterday, today, and forever. He's not going to change. That's why we're getting down to the teaching of Jesus Christ this year. That's what, listen, I, I, I was inundated with emails from these different organizations that they, they changed, the, one, one group, one church Changed, you know, it, it's it, Mary's, Mary's um, prayer to God, her song, The Magnificent is what it's called, after the angel visited her. There's one group, they changed the words to that to be all-inclusive. Non-offensive. Listen, if that's your bag, if that's your thing, if that's what you want to do, once again, new life probably isn't the place for you. Because we believe the Bible. We don't believe in a social gospel. We believe in a functional gospel. And that's where we're going to stand. Number three is we believe in a responsible faith that motivates us to good works. We believe in a responsible faith that motivates us to good works. And I think over the last two years, this has taken the biggest hit of anything in the church movement. Responsibility. Responsibility. I have had more conversations with pastors and more conversations with church members over whether or not the Bible actually tells us to be faithful to church. Once again, it's where pastors say, I don't care what the Bible says, this is what I believe. Listen, folks, you've got to take a stand on something in your life. 
You've got to take a stand for Jesus or against him. You can't be in the middle. You can't walk the fence. It's one or the other. Jesus said, if you're not for me, you're against me. That's pretty clear cut. We believe in a responsible faith that motivates us to good works. A responsible faith that glorifies God and reaches people with the truth of the Bible in a spirit of love. In a spirit of love. And I know maybe this morning, man, you're thinking, hey, Pastor John is, Pastor John's got, a, got an, an it's this morning, man. He's really, he's really nailing it. No, <laughs> no, man. I have a passion for people. I have a passion for my church. I have a passion for souls. And quite honestly, even though we took some precautions for the next two weeks, I'm really tired of these last two years. I've had enough. I've had enough of the silliness. And I'm not talking about the, the virus. I mean, that's, I believe in it. I have, I have people that constantly, every time, listen, if you're one of those people that always wants to rag on my, my page and on our church's page, vaccines don't work, just... Go find, go find somebody else to sell that to, okay? Because it's going to be deleted from our page. It's going to be deleted from my page. Not going to listen to it. I'm vaccinated. I'm boosted. I, I believe in that stuff. Why? Because I believe that God has given us wisdom. I, I, have, I have replacement parts in my body. I have cadaver members of my... I have, I have a cadaver tendon in my ankle. I have a cadaver bone in my foot. Some, that's from somebody else. I believe in medical science. To a degree, I believe that God has given us the ability to understand and to fight things. All we're doing is unlocking God's mystery. That's all we're doing. You know that God has the solution, right? God has the cure to viruses. God knows what it is. Man just has to find it. Maybe God doesn't want to reveal it to us. But... I hope you understand that what I'm saying this morning is not out of anger. It's not out of frustration. It's out of love. I truly love my church. I love my church people. I love my community. I Let me tell you, if I was a pastor who desired to be, to have a huge successful ministry, I wouldn't be in East Longmeadow, Massachusetts. That's not where I would have stayed. I would have gone somewhere else. Uh, gone down to the Bible Belt. There are plenty of places that a pastor can go and throw out a hot dog and draw a crowd. But I love my community. I love Western Massachusetts. I love the Springfield metropolitan area. When we moved up here when I was 12 years old, it got into my heart. And it gripped me and it grabbed me. And I fell in love. And I've loved this place ever since. I love its people. I love the sarcastic nature of our community. I just love it. I love them enough. I love this area enough. I love these people enough to give my life to trying to get the message of Jesus Christ to them. To tell them that, yes, you're valuable. You're so valuable that the Son of God the creator of all the universe came down to earth to be born, to live among us and to die, to pay a price that you could never pay and that they could never pay. 
Listen, I know that doesn't make me popular with people. I know that people don't want to hear that. I know that there are other ways that just sound so much more appealing because nobody wants to take responsibility for themselves anymore. Everybody wants to blame everybody else. But we believe in a, function, in a responsible faith that motivates us to good works. And those good works are what open doors for us to share the gospel of Jesus Christ. But we need to do it in a spirit of love. And this morning, while it may sound gruff, while it may sound rough, I am speaking in a spirit of love. Because folks, we need to hear the truth because the truth will set us free. The truth will set us free from the bondage of what we're trying to do, of how we're trying to get ourselves connected or, or, uh, or, or trying to work through without God's plan. The truth of the word of God will set us free. Acts 17, 11 talks about a group of people and it says, they, the people here were more noble character than those in Thessalonica since they received the word with eagerness and examined the scriptures daily to see if these things were so. Berean believers, man, they examined the word of God daily. Daily they get into the scriptures. They heard what their pastor or their teacher said. They read the letters from Paul and they examined the word to see if what they were being taught was true. I challenge you to do that, not just with what I say, not just with what, what Pastor Oswaldo says next week, not just with what Pastor Zach preached a couple weeks ago, but what you read, what you read online. Listen, while we have used Facebook and social media to help our ministry, listen, folks, can I just say something to you? Not everything you hear and read online is the truth. Just because, and, and anybody can put doctor in front of their name. <laughs> Anybody can call themselves anything. Did you know that it's not a law to not have a podcast? Anybody can have a podcast. Anybody can have a podcast now. Anybody can have a, can have a page. Anybody can have a website. And anybody can put anything out there. I laugh at these social media sites who are banning people that they don't agree with. Well, all you're doing is telling us who you do agree with. All you're doing is, is cutting out some people that are truth tellers. Some people are crazy. Some people are whack. But you're, telling, you're cutting out truth tellers. Make no mistake, churches are coming up on the chopping block pretty soon. Because what we have to say is offensive. That's why so many are changing what they have to say. Test what you hear with the word of God. Ask yourself and ask God to give you wisdom. Like James 1.5 says, if any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God who gives to all liberally and does not, uh, does not distort, does not keep it away. The old, uh, old King James says, braids not. That means God doesn't make fun of you or doesn't uh, belittle you because you're asking. And he will give it to you. If you ask God for wisdom and leadership and truly seek it, sometimes that's in reading the word. Sometimes that's in reading the word and having conversations with others who know the word of God. I challenge young people all the time. Find a mentor. Find a mentor. Find someone who can help you through it. Find someone who can help you through. One of the reasons I got involved in a high school is because I want to be there to, so I can, I, I can know where teenagers are and talk with them and kind of help them on their way. Listen, I pull no punches. 
I, I, don't, I don't pull any punches when people ask me questions. If you're going to ask me a question about what I believe, what I think is true, now I have every right to tell you what I believe and what I think is true. If you ask me a question about faith and belief, in school, I have every right now to tell you what I believe. That's the law. See, finding ways to get involved with the spirit and, and doing good works motivated by your faith in the spirit of love is what's going to make, is what's going to help us turn the tide. This is, it's true to the, that's true to the text of the word of God. It isn't changed to make people comfortable. Our responsible faith is true to the text of the word of God. We don't change it. We don't make it say something different just to make people comfortable. We're not in the business of making people comfortable. We shouldn't be comfortable. We should be, we should, we, we should have uh, itching feet, <laughs> always wanting to move on for Jesus. First Timothy chapter uh, six, verses three through five. If anyone teaches false doctrine and does not agree with the sound teaching of our Lord Jesus Christ and with the teaching that prom promotes godliness, he is conceited and understands nothing, but has an unhealthy interest in disputes and arguments over words. From these come envy, quarreling, slander, evil suspicions, and constant disagreement among people whose minds are depraved and deprived of the truth, who imagine that godliness is a way to material gain. Whew. I'll challenge you, man. You read that, you dig into that passage of scripture. Paul gets blunt right there. He says, if you change the word of God, if, you're, if you don't preach the counsel of the word of God, if you change what the Bible has to say, you're doing it out of conceit, you're doing it out of arrogance, you're doing it out of ignorance, and all you're trying to do is gain for yourself. You're not doing it for godliness. You're not doing it to enhance the kingdom of God. That's not what's going on today with a social gospel. What's going on with the social gospel today is trying to bring everybody together and make everybody feel good about themselves. Listen, can I, can I be honest with you, Christian? <laughs> Many of us don't need to feel good about ourselves right now. Just being honest. Many of us don't need to feel good about ourselves right now. Listen, if you've been ducking out of church for two years, <laughs> you don't need to feel good about yourself right now. If you're not reading your Bible faithfully, if you're not praying, if you're not giving your, your troubles and your struggles to God, if you're not involved in your, if you're not attending a local church, if you're not involved in a local church, if you're not giving financially and supporting a, a local church through your giving, your prayers, and your service, you don't need to be feeling good about yourself right now. It's probably a good reason, probably a good thing that not a lot of people are here this morning, Zach, because <laughs> they might get up and walk out. Let me tell you, man, you, we, we don't. We need to feel the conviction of the Holy Spirit in our lives saying, listen, it is time to, ready for this word? It is time to repent. It is time to repent of your evil deeds. It's time to repent of your sins of commission or your sins of omission and get back to the word of God and living for him. You want to feel good about yourself? Slide up next to Jesus Christ and let him lead your life. That'll help you feel good about yourself. 
Responsibility is motivated by the courage to stand for the truth. 2 Corinthians 4, 1 and 2, Therefore, since we have this ministry because we were shown mercy, we do not give up. Instead, we've renounced secret and shameful things, not acting deceitfully or distorting the word of God, but commending ourselves before God to everyone's conscience by an open display of the truth. What is an open display of the truth? It's a life that mirrors the teaching of the word of God in the way you conduct business, in the way you deal with your friendships, in the way you treat your family, in the way you treat your spouse, in the way you treat the person driving next to you, in the way you treat the person at the store, the cashier, the other customers, in the way you respond when someone else treats you in a way that you don't particularly care for. A display of the truth. The fourth thing is this, we believe in a purpose greater than ourselves. I've talked about that a lot this morning. We believe in a purpose greater than ourselves. Why should we sacrifice? Why should we give up? Why should we walk away from? Why should we live for Jesus? Because we, live, we believe in a purpose greater than ourselves. Listen, folks, I say it all the time. This life is not about us. This life is about him. This life is about reaching people with the gospel. This life is about helping him build the kingdom. This life is about taking what he's given to us, using the gifts and the talents, the wisdom, the understanding, the, the companionship, the relationships, using those things to help reach people with the gospel and build the kingdom of God. It's about building ourselves up in our holy faith and drawing closer to Jesus Christ every day we live and breathe and becoming stronger followers of his. That's what this life is about. That's a purpose greater than ourselves. Listen, it's very easy right now in this day and age to just sit back and let things happen. We have the perfect excuse, right? Can't do anything, can't go anywhere. We're still, we're, we're back in the middle of it now. I'm going to say it. If you know more about the symptoms of COVID-19 than the symptoms of sin in your life, you've walked away from Jesus. And you need to reconcile yourself to him. You need to get your life centered on the purpose that is greater than you. It's time, folks, to stop worrying about what's going on in the world. These things were prophesied. These things were said to, to happen. If you know Jesus Christ as your Savior, these we recognize what's going on in the world as birth pains. We're not going to be around for the bad stuff. We're not, if, we, if you're a believer in Jesus Christ, if you've accepted him as your Savior, we believe, I, I believe completely, we teach here that you're going up in the rapture before the tribulation hits. That's when everything's going to hit the fan. That's when things are really going to get dire and bad. I believe society is being set up for that right now. But we don't need to give up. We don't need to walk away. We don't need to lay low. We need to continue to serve the purpose greater than ourselves. Let me say this. To expect a functional Christian walk with Jesus to come from a life filled with dysfunctional actions is in itself dysfunctional. To expect a functional Christian walk with Jesus Christ to come from a life filled with dysfunctional actions 
is in itself dysfunctional. It's dysfunctional thinking. It's dysfunctional thinking. You're thinking the wrong things. You're thinking the wrong way. You're not thinking according to the word of God. You're not functionally thinking about how to live and honor Jesus Christ. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verses 5 through 7, Paul kind of sums it up for us. He says, for we're not proclaiming ourselves, but Jesus Christ is Lord and ourselves as, ser- as your servants for Jesus' sake. For God who said, let light shine out of darkness has shown in our hearts and to, uh, to give the light of the knowledge of God's glory in the face of Jesus Christ. Listen, I, uh, people say whatever they want. You can do whatever you want. That's why we'll never name ministries after me. Okay? We're not going to name any ministry the John Chase ministry. Why? <laughs> because this ministry isn't John Chase. This is New Life Church, a place where the gospel is preached, the word of God is taught, where people live, and it's all about Jesus Christ getting the glory. It's not about me. The purpose is greater than me. The purpose is greater than you. The purpose is greater than us all. The purpose is the kingdom of God. Eye is not seen, ear is not heard, neither has entered into the heart of man the things that God is preparing for them who love him. That's for us. Jesus said, I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go to prepare a place for you, I'll come again and receive you to myself, that where I am, there you will be also. That life, eternity, is being prepared for us. This life is about serving him. This life is about building his kingdom. It may not be fun. It's not going to be fun in a lot of times. There's going to be times of great joy. I'll tell you what, this worship service this morning, uh, I, w- I, had, I literally had tears in my eyes this morning. It was powerful. I hope that came through. And my prayer while I was, while I was worshiping with our worship team, my prayer was that the power of that worship set would bleed through the screens of those who were watching. Because I'll tell you what, folks, the power of God was here this morning in our worship time. So there's going to be great times. There's going to be powerful times. There's going to be exciting times. But there's also going to be deep valleys. There's also going to be difficulties. I, have no, I take no joy in what's going on in my house right now. We are a family that has been hit by, by sickness. I'm not happy about that. I don't like seeing my wife uh, in bed sick. I don't like it. I don't like seeing two teenage girls sick. I don't like having to tell my sons right now, hey guys, you can't hug mom. <laughs> and Michael, Michael walked up to me, kind of chokes me up a little bit, man. He came up to me uh, Friday night and it was late at night. And you could just see it in his eyes. He said, <laughs> he walked to me, he says, dad, do you have COVID-19? I said, no, Michael, I don't. He says, can I have a hug? Yeah, man, I'll hug you. I'll hug you. Because my, my boys live on that. My, my, my son, my family is all about restoring and healing. And we're all about hugging each other and letting each other know that we love each other all the time. So this is a tough time, and I'm, I have no, I have no, I take no joy in the struggles that my family is going through. And knowing that the, 
that the members of my church, the families of my church are experiencing many of them worse than what we're going through right now. I have no joy in that. None at all. But I do know this, that the trials that I face, God promises me that these trials are, are being used to build us, to make us stronger if we'll let them. They have a great reward at the end and God will reveal himself to us. And if nothing else, we have heaven to gain. Lastly, here at New Life, we believe in the mission. We believe in the mission. I served in the United States Army. I <clears throat> was an electronic warrior. I copied Morse code. While the nation was at peace, my unit was always at war. We were always copying the enemy. We were always seeking out the plans of the enemy. I served during the Cold War. We copied the Russians, the old Soviet Union. I also served in North Korea. Because I served in, North, or in South Korea, because I served in South Korea, I'm allowed to join the Veterans of Foreign Wars because it, is, it was a war, it's still considered a war zone. And I copied live code. While others were practicing and preparing, I had a live mission. I'll tell you, one time I was sitting rack. I was actually working the day shift. We worked <coughs> rotating shifts, days, swings, and mids. It was like first, second, and third shift. You work six days on, two days off. You always loved coming off mids because you had almost a four-day weekend. It was just the way it worked. It was great. I was working days, uh, day shift, and I remember it like it was yesterday. One of our, uh, our, our duty officer that day, I worked in a, they called it the box, and it was a, a, a big building filled with computer equipment. It was kept at 65 degrees all the time. Uh, people were wearing jackets because it was so cold in there because of all the computer equipment. And our OIC came in, and he got our attention, and he said, soldiers, you sit your rack and don't move. He said, you get on, you, you roll up and down on those frequencies, look for chatter, look for anything. The Russians just shot down a South Korean jetliner. And the nation is on a war footing right now. You're not going to leave your rack. If you have to go to the, if, if you want something to eat, we'll bring you a sandwich. If you have to go to the bathroom, we'll bring you a bucket. But nobody brings, nobody leaves their rack. Tell you what, that was one of the most sobering announcements I've ever had in my life. Because there was the potential for war. And I dug in. We had two radio receivers, one on top of the other. I had a teletype machine in front of me. This was old school. It had paper in it. And uh, I had headphones on. And I leaned in, and I just kept going up and down the frequencies, listening. And when I hear code, I'd start copying. And I'd look for, listen for call signs. If I get call signs, I'd call them out. The uh, 05 Charlie behind me, they'd look them up and see if they were good call signs, call them over to DF and get a direction on it because we didn't know what the North Koreans and the Russians were going to do. Tell you what, at that moment, the mission that I was on in South Korea became real to me. It became real. 
and I had to believe in it. And I had to do my job as if I believed in it. When it comes to my faith, when it comes to leading my family, when it comes to leading this church, I believe in this mission. I believe in what I've been called to do here. I believe that the job I have is greater than me. I believe that the mission that we have here is greater than all of us. It's greater than society. It's greater than politics. It's greater than anything. That's why it's so important that we leave our differences at the door when we come to church and we believe in the mission. That's why we take the stands that we do because we don't need the mission. We don't need the mentality. We don't need the plans diluted by sin. We need to believe in the mission. Folks, make no mistake. The mission is to win lost souls to Jesus Christ. The mission is to build Christians up in their faith. The mission is to lift Jesus as high as we possibly can so that others will see him and come to know him. Matthew 28, 19 and 20. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe everything I've commanded you. And remember, I am with you always to the end of the earth. The mission is greater than me. We see that in Matthew 10, 38 and 39. And whoever doesn't take up his cross and follow me. Listen to these next words, man. If anyone, anyone who doesn't take up his cross and follow me is not worthy of me. Oh, man. I don't know about you, but I take those words seriously. When Jesus himself says, if you don't take up your cross, if you don't take up that cross and follow me, if you don't do the job I've called you to do, if you don't do the job I've equipped you to do, if you don't get involved in the mission of your church, like I've asked you to do and commanded you to do, you're not worthy of me. And I take that seriously. I don't know how that hits you, but it hits me like a ton of bricks. I'm not perfect. I have flaws. I'm working on them. I'm working hard on them. Pray for me. (laughs) Pray for me because I face things every day. I struggle. I struggle with things. I struggle with my physical, uh, my physical body. That's my biggest struggle is physical. It's physical. It's my biggest struggle. But I'm pressing toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. I can be broken down. Listen, give me a walker. Give me one of those scooters. I'll embarrass my oldest son by riding around in the mall with a, on a scooter with him and beeping at everybody with the little beeper horn. You know, I'll take Lewis along. I'll give him a ride in the basket. I'll go, I'll, I'll, I'll go out to breakfast with the men of the church and ride a scooter if I have to, but I'm going to fulfill the mission that God has called me to. Those of you who aren't here live, you can't see the gentleman in the back losing their stuff because of that statement. I believe in the mission. I believe in the mission. And if I have to crawl around on my fingertips to get the gospel to people, I will do it. I don't care what happens to me. I care that people hear the word of God. I care that my people in my church hear the word of God and at least, at least have the opportunity to follow him. Why? I have people ask me and they ask Aaron, why have you done this? Why have you taken people in? Why do you take kids in? 
And I, I reject the whole, people say, oh, you're a hero. Oh, these kids, I reject that, man. I really do. I reject that. I'm no, I'm no hero. I'm no superstar. I do the right thing because it's the right thing to do. If I've truly given my life to Jesus Christ, then I'm not done at 59. <laughs> I've got more to offer and more to do. And if God brings the task of raising children into my home, then that's what I'm going to do. I'm going to continue to do what God has called me to do and the mission he's given to me. Listen, folks, that extends to the church. I'm going to continue to do what God has called me to do. As he opens doors at our business meeting, we're going to find out some things that are going on and things that we're going to be, a few things we're going to be changing. As God opens doors of ministry, I will continue to push myself and push this church so that we can accomplish the mission that we say we believe in so much. It's not about being popular. It's not about being culturally active. It's not about being culturally right. It's about the truth of the word of God and lifting Jesus higher. We do the right thing in God's eyes simply because it's the right thing to do. Hey, that's what I believe. <laughs> that's what I teach. That's what we preach here. That's what we believe at New Life. I pray that this has kind of gotten into your heart and your soul. Pray that it's challenged you. And I pray that it finds good soil in your life. We're going to be talking about the soils this year too. Pretty cool lesson. Let's pray. Father, thank you. Lord, in the midst of chaos and confusion, in the midst of fear and doubt, in the midst of people wanting to give up and walk away, in the midst of anger and ugly, you're still there. You're still the same. And you still call us to do a ministry and to do a mission that you started 2,000 years ago. Lord, I commit to you right now. We've had this conversation, Lord, but I want to make it public. I commit to you right now, God that I will do my best as a man, as a follower of yours, to lead this church according to your word. God, I don't want to get caught up in cultural issues. I don't want to get caught up in popularity. I don't want to get caught up in what society is doing. God, I want to lead a church with your gospel. I want to lead a church your way. I want to team up with other pastors here in this church that have that same passion. Pastor Zach, Pastor Oswaldo, God, I want, to, I want us to be leaders that lead this church your way. God, I pray for the strength to do that. God, would you empower this church and every member, every attender of this church to look deep within ourselves and be honest and ask ourselves, am I living a life worthy of Jesus Christ? And if not, may we change things. God, we're in a tough time right now. There is sickness throughout. Lord, would you bring healing to your children? Would you bring comfort to your children? Would you bring us through this time, Lord, with courage and victory? May we attack with prayer what's going on today. God, we love you. We thank you so much. Would you bless us? Watch over us. In your name we pray. Amen.